0: And now, from the dark corners of the internet, where exploits run wild, packets aren't the only things that are getting sniffed, and the beer flows steady, it's Paul.com Security Weekly! by Tenable Network Security, the creators of Nessus, the world's best vulnerability scanner. Tenable Security Center extends the power of Nessus through reporting, passive vulnerability scanning, log correlation, and much more. Tenable, unified security monitoring. Core security technologies, helping you penetrate your network. Rock out with your exploit out. Listen to this podcast and qualify to receive a 10% discount on Core Impact, the world's best penetration testing tool. Now, give the intern control of your botnet and pour yourself a beer. Here's your host. He's a few no-op short of an exploit, a few keys over on his GitHub repository, and a man who pours scotch in my beer and I'd rather eat the asshole out of a skunk. (laughs)
1: Paul Asadorian. (laughs) That was some very vivid imagery. I welcome. I was going to go with, he gives candy to high schoolers at hacking conventions this Saturday. <laughs> either way. Either Welcome, way. everyone, I, I, to Paul.com Security Weekly, episode 280,
2: live from the Mid-Atlantic CCD competition for Thursday, March fifteenth, two 2012. CCD. 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 CCD is like I said CCD. Catholic. No, yeah, it sounds no, like you said no, D you competition. Said CCD. Oh, yeah. well, CCD. 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 All right.
0: CCD. CCD. You know what? It's, it's kind of like, like church, like but not the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to
2: do an interview. Here. <laughs> we are so not getting. Can we reaction. get a big round of applause from our Woo, live studio audience. audience?
3: Those guys. Thank you very much.
0: All three of them. I mean, five of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right.
2: There was more beer for everyone to go well, around. Casey's here. I mean, he counts. Hi, case, yeah. I mean, case, yeah. Casey. Enjoyed okay. it, Casey. Hi, Casey. Casey's the one that brings us here every year. Thank you, Casey. Yes. We're looking forward to a fun-filled weekend. cheers Woo. You
1: want a beer?
3: I've okay.
1: got to say, though, I, I'm really, really happy about this, because we do have six people in the audience, but we also have that many people up in the AV booth recording oh, us.
4: That's impressive. Um, Big so round of applause for the AV hard today to make things happen. and actually make
5: this stuff work.
0: Hey, look, it actually works. You need to get these guys in our dialogue.
2: Yeah. We're moving here. That's right.
1: Oh, here.
2: DerbyCon call for papers and ticket registration is coming up quickly. Friday, May 4th at 10 a.m., the poll.com crew will be in attendance for DerbyCon. How is that? Oh, the registration is May 4th. I'm like, what? I'm not going to be there May 4th. <laughs> no, we'll be at DerbyCon in September. Uh, the training begins Thursday, September 27th, and the DerbyCon conference runs 28th through the 30th. Mr. John Strand here in the flesh, not even from sunny south dakota south dakota or cold south dakota it's actually very warm <laughs> we'll be teaching offensive countermeasures at Sands orlando march 23rd through the 24th you can check out the link in the show notes mr larry pesci who is directly to my left is teaching security 617 wireless ethical hacking penetration testing and defense five times this year actually six there's one missing. six times this year and Darren Wigley is here, who is teaching how not Nothing. to scare people in moving vehicles. Yeah. Or stopped vehicles. <laughs> stopped vehicles, stop vehicles stop for that mirrors. matter. Review mirrors. How the hell do they work? <laughs> <laughs> and to my right, making a special guest work. appearance uh, here on the show, woo. Raphael Mudge. Welcome, my Thank friend, to the much, show. Thank you Thank you, Paul feel like we're on a late-night talk show. It does. It know?
1: totally does. Tell me about the latest this, project. Right the here with this auditorium and this setup, this is how Jay Leno feels oh, every yeah? night.
2: <laughs> wow.
4: We don't have a band or anything. We do have your laptop. John can
2: play the piano. Really? Now, you know what? Songs. In fact, after the show, he's going to play us a sad song. John, John is, sad is a
0: really song. big pianist. <laughs> oh,
2: fantastic. <laughs> you should see me code. You that way, too. Oh, boy. So, Uh, We have some new shows We've got some new shows out there Hack Naked TV with John Strand Uh, Hack Naked at Night with Larry and Darren Paul.com Espanol with Carlos Perez Who wanted to join via Skype but we're not set up for that right now Mm, He said to me in a text message Paul give me shell on your box And I'll use the say command In (laughs) OS 10 to come on the show And I was like well It started with Paul give me shell in your box So no (laughs) Thank you very much Um so, uh, we got the Cigar Enthusiast podcast, The Stogie Geeks. So you can check out that uh, in the show notes. Security B-Sides everywhere. SecurityBsides.com. Our good friend Jack Daniel could not be here. He actually had to come here earlier in the week, but couldn't stay the whole uh, the whole trip. So, uh, do follow us on Twitter at SimPaul.com. And the rest of the crew uh, is on Twitter as well. You can find them uh, on the website for each show. We put their Twitter handles in there. Let's find I am
4: Carl's. You are a bastard.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. Uh, so, with that, we'll we'll turn it over to a uh, uh, discussion about the CCDC. Why can't I say that all of a sudden? It's, hold on. I let's... ever tell you about Ruby? <laughs> <laughs> Last once. It's okay. At least he didn't tell. Ask about the story about the toothbrush. <laughs> In, do you want me In front to tell of his wife. Yeah. So, uh, what is the Mid Atlantic CCDC competition? Who wants to take that one? You do. Anyone? Casey? <laughs> Anyone? Casey? You have guy that we have to set it up. Tim Rosenberg, maybe. Uh, maybe Tim Rosenberg Tim, wants you to come, come down. Tell us about CCDC. Tell us about CCDC. Come on, everyone, quick yeah. oh. round of applause for
3: oh. Tim Rosenberg! Oh. Woo.
1: No, no, absolutely, without question. Without um, question. Come on up. Well, come on we up. know you, know you sit, like talking. You can sit come in my chair and I'll, sit, and I'll sit behind you.
4: It's okay. <laughs> Got a seat for you right here.
1: <laughs> so, Tim, yes,
2: absolutely, you can have a beer. I need another one. Shiner Bock or Fat Tire? Uh, I don't care. Shiner's good. Tim, have a seat. Tim, it's been a while since you've been on the show.
6: It has. I've been in rehab. <laughs> <laughs> From
2: the show? From the show, absolutely. <laughs> <Cheers>. <laughs> So, pulling
6: up to the mic over here. So, uh, tell us about this competition, first and foremost. So, this is a seventh year running. Um, and basically what it does is we took uh, 25 teams from North Carolina up to Pennsylvania. A team is a group of college students who are charged with defending a pre-built, horribly built. Do they have to be from a computer security program? No, or can it absolutely not. Okay. So, so it can be any college our, team. We, we've had, we've had poli-sci majors. Okay. We've had all kinds of interesting uh, folks. So, any school can form a team. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so um, online, we did a bunch of pre-quals, and those were to narrow down the 25 teams to eight teams. Those eight teams have made it here, and over the next two days will be horribly abused by a group of professional red cell. So. And this is what we call a single-purpose event, meaning you are either a defending team, college, or an attacker. There's no mixed. So if any of the defenders get caught attacking, they're booted, and I'm sure none of the attackers will be defending, you know, except for mm-hmm. the beachheads. Right, right, right. And so the winner from this, uh, right now there's about eight or nine regions around the country. The winner from each region, so this is going on all around the country, the winner from each region gets an all And how many regions are there? Are there six regions? Well, actually, there's there might be up to uh, nine or ten. They do an okay. open one, and yep. they have an online one, and yes. there's eight geographic ones. Hmm. Right. Um, and so then the winners so the mid-Atlantic, there's a northeastern, Atlantic, northeast, southeast, southeast, central, southwest. When it gets in the West, it gets foggy. Uh, it's, you know, all, it's, I, it's all it. one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Geography. You know, who needs it? <laughs> <laughs> I was a history major. We didn't do those things. Maps are for. So the winners from each of the regions get to go down to uh, beautiful sunny San Antonio, and compete in the nationals, and then be uh, declared grand high. Yeah. So, so someone was asking
2: me, what do they get when they win the nationals? Do they get a trip to Disney World? Do they get?
6: Uh, usually jobs. Jobs. I mean, this, this, is, really? a, this Dude, is a... That's music. better than a trip to Disney World. This hey. is a massive recruiting... A job at Disney World. Uh, that'd be so Ooh. cool. <laughs> Heck, Cinderella. Anyway, I guess it um, better, it'd be better if they got a change.
2: Your own perverted <laughs> fantasies, Tim, <laughs> are completely welcome here,
0: just
6: so oh, wait, you know. Wait, it, Feel are, free to is share. Is this broadcast?
3: Are we sharing this? Yes, we yeah. are sharing. Oh, damn it. Okay. <laughs> John,
0: John, what was your comment? It'd be better if they got a date out of the day. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a big one. <laughs> <laughs> Finally! <laughs> it's like the end of sneakers when anything River Phoenix wants. So, Tim, to,
6: other than your striking yeah. good looks, why are you here <laughs> is the question. Okay, so my my team um, from iSight, we're responsible for actually designing, building, and scoring the actual game. So These are like the actual systems that the blue teams have to defend. Correct. And so we, we built the core. So we have, a you know, each team gets a patient medical records database. It's, oh, and the theme is healthcare. Right, this theme year. is healthcare, yep. yep. Uh, so each team basically represents a small hospital. So they have patient records. Uh, They have a pharmacy inventory of about 8,000 drugs, Mm -hmm. um, most of which are horribly configured with drug dosages to weight ratios and all that kind of fun stuff. They have a uh, computer-aided dispatch server, so they can dispatch EMS and and, uh, support personnel.
2: So, now, wait, are they responsible for people's virtual lives in the game?
6: Yes, they are. Uh, Unbeknownst to them, if they're listening, good for you, because we're going to talk about stuff that you don't know yet. (laughs) Um, They have a zombie (laughs) server. Man and a
3: woman love each other. (laughs) <laughs>
6: wow. they do a special hug <laughs> um, so they have a zombie server which um, they have to keep track of patients and if patients are infected they have to be cured if they don't be cured they mutate to zombies and if they get the wrong cure they're, they're killed gotcha. so each team will have a status board of, and the, uh, the code now, if they do become zombies and you shoot them in the head do they die I'm really hoping no one's bringing live rounds. It's it's anybody's guess.
0: (laughs) Anything can happen in these events. (laughs) And and, and if you came to our presentation yesterday, you may or may not know who Patient Zero is.
6: That's right. Um, But what's really cool is that over the years, it's not just our infrastructure. (laughs) We we do the core with the firewalls and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, another one of the schools volunteered up. Louis Leitner and his crew did a phenomenal job on all the Wi-Fi stuff. Mm -hmm. Larry and his crew, uh, another great year for Badgers and... um, Cool medical dispensing things. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about yep. that next episode. Really his crew's of, right here. <laughs> yeah, his crew. <laughs> <ever>. his crew. <laughs> crew of one. Name's <laughs> yeah, right. right? That's right. Um, what's the singular of crew? Uh, crew. Crew. <laughs> crew.
2: <laughs> it's crew. crow crew.
6: Crew. Okay. crap uh, <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, moving we're, what were we talking about now? So uh, basically, we, yeah, we score. My job is to score and to build an infrastructure that everybody else can, <laughs> get, can oh, hang stuff off. Right. <laughs> <before we> <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> I was
2: gonna say there's a joke. That was not picked up fast <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I think because I, I was like, really? Did he just say that in front of this crew? Really? I, I think we were trying to be polite for
6: once. <laughs> yeah. I'm from <laughs> Lancaster. We're simpler there. We. Oh. uh, No. Nah. That means it all. So do score? Oh, my, never mind. So
3: It's all there is to do in Lancaster.
6: Actually, uh, the pagans were caught selling a lot of meth to the Amish several years ago. That's fascinating. Is <laughs>
2: that Where does... Score? What, no, that no, explains... Kind of score? Is,
6: oh, different kind of score.
0: Okay, <laughs> never
2: mind. Uh, do we, have you dispensed him drugs already? <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I said, the only thing we like more than dispensing pills right. is taking That's
2: them. right.
6: So, so what, all, are the, what uh, other questions can of go random on? Um, so all of the hosts are
2: virtual? Yes, right? everything's virtual. Yep. Virtual machines. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you keep the red team from, like, completely trashing the blue team systems?
6: That's kind of hard. Um, We're polite, asked, I like honestly. to think. Polite. So basically the, the, the red so are not are polite enough to follow direction. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just a complete slaughter. This isn't a, you know, release the hounds and last man standing. Uh, The Red Cell have been coached over the years to understand that this is is predominantly an educational environment. So, you know, pop in a box and RM minus RF. Like, that's not cool, right? right, Well, it doesn't teach anybody anything. And it also, because of the way we score, the Red Cell is encouraged to stay in and maintain execute privilege on a box as long as possible.
2: Yeah. I think that's one of the great things of the the game that makes it more realistic and also has the side effect of preventing the red team from completely trashing systems Mm -hmm. is you you score more if the system stays up and you maintain access
6: Um, also this year for the red cell we've done it in previous events but we're going to push the red cell this year uh, for flag captures Mm -hmm. to emphasize you know patient record theft data theft um, exfiltration of data as well so it's not just compromise it's also get in and get data so the teams will actually be penalized if they have a patient record breach if data is taken out and copied so there's a whole series of flags of patient social numbers and driver's licenses and vehicles and numbers. those will actually
2: affect the score. Yes, I knew they were kind of there before,
6: but it was right. unclear how we yeah. would. So, how do you score that? So basically, what happens is it's a it's a complete point swap. So if a flag's worth a thousand points, I got gotcha. red gets a thousand, blue gets a ding to thousand.
4: Nice. Mm-hmm. So MSO eight sixty seven is not enough anymore.
6: <laughs> no, no, but there's um, this will be really interesting because we're running three public open source servers that are in use by medical professionals, by uh, one of the ones, which is Tickets Cads, which is a, a small open source computer-aided dispatch system, is actually in use by small municipalities that cannot afford a true, you know, 911 enterprise-level dispatch center.
2: So um, I was watching, uh, it was Rob Fuller's presentation. Yeah. And he said, he was telling the blue team, you know, usually there's no zero days dropped at, one of these competitions, because everything's being logged and you wouldn't want to release your zero day and I think have someone log it. Correct. However, with the web applications, though, you um, would develop a zero day basically on the fly yeah. and break into one of the web applications. Now, to me, that's still a zero day.
6: Yes, and we've seen, actually, you guys coded one uh, a couple years yeah, ago on Moodle. Yeah, I think three, three or four years yes. ago, yeah. And the zombie server that we had coded is is in fact coded to the own rule. <laughs> uh, so it was, uh, what isn't I mean so we oh. have we have some we have the possibility uh, well, the source code is, will be made available tomorrow to both Red and Blue yep. if Blue can <clears> figure it out fast enough to patch it before Red can figure out how to exploit it there is a potential basically in-game zero day that's great, puzzle. It's a great real world scenario so uh, was there any other
2: questions for Tim anyone anyone from the audience have any questions for Tim
6: one at a time, please. There's a lot of you out there, so I can't call on all of you. All righty. Thank you very much, Tim. Thanks for putting up with me.
2: Yes. Big <laughs> round of applause. Woo,
3: good, thank you, Tim. Woo.
2: All right. Uh, so what is Paul.com doing here other than a podcast? Uh, John and I are emceeing the event. I wanted to make everyone aware of that. And... If you're watching paul.com.com forward slash live, you can obviously already know about our live channel. But if you tune in all this weekend, we will be broadcasting it live. John and I will be the MCs for the event. We'll be introducing the various segments, providing demonstrations, interviewing people. Um, and then now I'll turn it over to Larry and Darren to talk about their involvement in the competition um, with what well, in the past has been badges, right? Okay. We did. Uh, you guys did an RFID reader. Yep, RFID
0: uh, physical access system. Yep,
2: a couple years ago, and then uh, there was an actual badge, a power meter badge. Yep, last year, last year, year was yeah. smart
0: meters, so we gave everyone. But um, Zigbee enabled uh, wireless badges. That and now, as power this meters.
2: year is a healthcare yep. theme. And um, what what is it that it's not a badge that you built?
0: No, it's, so well, so we did give them. We're giving them badges. It um, The beer. badges are all um, uh, barcode enabled. Um, uh, acrylic-cut badges. Uh, so they have a, a UPC barcode on them that opens a medication dispensation station. Um, you know, uh, you know, each university has a medication dispensing station. Um, and, well, we can't get Class 1 controlled substances and so forth. So we're giving them the next best thing. Are you
2: kidding? I'm going to hope... Never mind.
0: <laughs> so we're giving them the next best thing, but oh, when your prescription runs out, how are you going to get more? Yeah. Um, we're giving them the next best thing is candy. Um, So we spent $175 on candy at BJ's, and we're loading them up with candy. Um, And they're allowed to dispense their own candy to themselves. It's a little pick-me-up for a challenging thing. Um, But we're treating it as uh, controlled substances that they have to to deal with. Um, Same sort of things you'll find in healthcare all over the place for doing medication dispensation. You have to provide some sort of authentication um, to the med station to be able to take uh, drugs out of the dispensing station and give it to patients and so forth um and 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 sort of with that there's all sorts of craziness that goes on and absolutely barcodes um when we Darren and I did a presentation yesterday to talk a little bit about them um you talk about barcodes being a sort of an ancient technology and uh, I didn't realize how old they really were and I had to wikipedia it um and according to the the stuff I gathered from wikipedia the first patent was filed in 1949 for barcodes wow um We saw real adoption starting about 1977 for UPC for grocery stores uh, in through the 80s where grocery stores were changing very quickly over to the the barcode scanners. Um, And in 1981, it really picked up from sort of an industrial application because of the military. They wanted to use it for asset tracking. So each um, item that they had had a barcode on it. They could just tell where logistically where it was being sent to, where it ended up based on um, some unique identifiers. Hmm. Uh, and we gave some examples of where these are actually still being used. Uh, my wife had surgery uh, just this, this month. Uh, sorry, last month, uh, towards the end of the month. Uh, my visitor badge at the hospital had a barcode on it um, to tell where I could go. Uh, my wife's wrist bracelet had mm-hmm. a barcode on it to say, you know, which <coughs> patient she was. They could match it against uh, medications. Uh, and I was also in you know, a very politically charged environment. Uh, I was at the building directly across from Zuccotti Park for uh, Occupy Wall Street, the day before, the day of, and the day after um, the big protest that they had, with tens of thousands of people storming the streets and mm-hmm. stopping traffic and so forth, and the big march. Uh, and the only thing that was prevent, um, you know, preventing me from gaining access um, to the elevators through the turnstiles to the customer site across from this very politically charged event was a barcode.
4: So physical Still security in and in use.
0: healthcare, So very much in
2: use. Awesome. Um, so we'll, we'll track that progress throughout the event um, yep. and see how it goes. And uh, I don't want to divulge any more details because it's very much part of the game. So I think that's probably a good enough overview yep. uh, without giving too much away. Now, one of the most popular questions that we got today, um, and the blue teams were in the uh, job fair area today where – uh, we had a booth, um, our sponsors, slash my employer, Tenable Network Security uh, has a booth, and uh, Paul.com also has a booth. And one of the most popular questions we got, other than how much did the stickers cost, um, <laughs> are, what can the blue teams do to survive? They were able well, the to like well, what, what can I do? So I wanted to kind of throw that question out to everyone. And John, you were giving like full dissertations John's like hey, getting the whiteboard out. He's like yeah. drawing stuff on it. He's like, "You need to block here and passwords here." Yeah. You're getting all into it, so I was just curious to see what everyone thought.
0: Oh, so advice for blue teams? Yes. Uh, Start out. All. Crying is perfectly acceptable.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Have we identified anyone that we think is going to
1: cry? I Do think we have any one bets team, yet? What's, what's the no? team that had the really confident girl? Um, I don't Who's really like, remember. I'm going to make the red team cry. I'm going to make them all my bitches. That'd be great. If she was talking a big game. That's she was talking a really big game. Yeah. She was like, yeah, this ain't going to be
4: nothing.
6: Yeah, uh, the, the uh, scotch of an 18-year-old that had an 18-year-old bottle of limited first red cell and makes him cry without physically working.
4: <laughs> oh, well oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that, that ruined it. Casey? <laughs> Can we consider it a
2: failure that we cry,
6: pukes,
2: Right. <laughs> Crying, puking, and bleeding is usually part of the competition now do
4: the no physical touching rules apply for the puking and bleeding part we already talked about crying is out but
2: if, if someone's puking or bleeding and you comfort them i'd say that's okay that's just me i oh. don't know i mean you guys make the rules <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> a game time call yeah fair so,
4: enough
2: as, if someone is puking or bleeding or crying ask casey's permission if you can comfort them Okay, because you have permission to comfort me at any Thank time. You <laughs>
4: I can see much being like, I can't Dude. do that over Skype. You know? yes, like,
1: exactly. Dude, is,
4: is that girl
1: over 18? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: okay. Wait, right, let's start with the bleeding right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I need comfort. <laughs> Um, one of the big things that I was telling people is they need to sit down and get some of the basics of fundamentals out of the way. I mean, block off any unnecessary ports and shut down the services. I mean, how many times do you see a red team situations where they're running Telnet, FTP, oh, Echo yeah. charging, and it's not even needed for their scorebot. I'm like, number one, get rid of that stuff. Find what you need, definitely. Yep. And then number two, change your passwords. Because the passwords, I mean, having worked with Tim for like the past four years, Tim loves giving incredibly crappy passwords. Like, he literally takes the John the Ripper default password list and like... Feeds it in to all the G-Pet? users reactive to it. GeoPad is actually not part of the John River
6: original.
1: So, it isn't. GeoPad is not. That's a very good point. I love G-Pet. that password though. It's Thank you. It's a great you. password for it. But the, but the whole point is, it, it, people yeah, use yeah, really list. dumb passwords. So we said set the passwords to be 15 characters, something that you guys can remember. Because I mean, I'm, I'm not giving you anything. If they, somebody changes their password to 15 characters, everyone's like, oh, rainbow tables will crack it. No. No, not, not in this situation. It just won't. And then the final not, thing... Not in the time that the competition, competition it's to span, span, right? Right? I right? Mean, that's the goal of the password, right, for this and the competition. Final thing, is... yeah. And the final thing is remove default content. Yeah. Uh, you know, try to do some self-assessment. Run NMAP, run some of the default things. Now, I did think, you mention uh,
2: patches in there? Yeah, and some bugs? of
1: the patches, yeah. Just like Muvix was talking about today, go through and get these default patches. But if you can throw up some of the basic firewalling, not based on IP address, but by ports that are totally unnecessary to ScoreBot, it's going to make the red team's life a lot more difficult.
2: So can you block like ports one Casey, you want do you want to come up and help us with some of the rules or they just can't hear you when you when you talk so um i had a couple of questions regarding the rules for clarification Let's look at that larry's well, giving you a regarding
5: seat. your guys' discussion casey
3: o'brien everyone
5: <laughs> big round of applause. Hey, I think you're on paul.com again awesome. i'm gonna cry i'm so happy <laughs> i love your show uh, oh, some scotch oh, oh, no thank you
4: fears.
3: There's tears. get this man a beer. <laughs> so, <I> will, <laughs> so I'll, I'll
5: take, take a beer. some yes. yes. onions for you. So uh, regarding the how do the blue teams prepare, uh, the thing that's kind of uh, disappointing to me, this is the seventh year Tim and I have run this, is that we could basically replay the red team debrief from five years ago, and it would basically be the same. The, the, the two things that student teams, thank you, Larry, do not do every year, that's shocking is they do not change default passwords and they do not shut off unnecessary services.
1: And I think today, um, Muvix mentioned it. You mentioned I think in your presentation, you mentioned it like three, four times. And then they came by and then I mentioned it. And they, there was only one of them that I saw that was taking notes about the idea of changing default passwords.
5: And Paul did that presentation yeah, that's right. um, a couple, of years, in a couple ago. Of years ago. <laughs> and Brad, uh, Brad Bowers yeah. did it last year. So, um, So that's... So with
2: shutting down services, do they take a point hit or loss of functionality? Like if they shut off ports 139 like and 445, is there a point hit functionality-wise or
5: scorebot-wise that they would take for that? So it depends. So they're given a list of services that the scorebot's um, going to check, and those yep. services are based on the business functionality. Um, and anything else, um, they're they're welcome to shut off. Um, and in, in terms of ingress, egress, filtering, um, the rule is basically whatever services have to be allowed inbound for the scorebot have to be allowed outbound. Mm-hmm. Everything else, they, um, they can they can shut down. In terms of, I think you were going to ask about blocking by source IP. Yeah, they're allowed to block by source IP if they make a business case for it. So they have to they have to basically fill out a. We use the U.S. Secret Service incident response forms for any any incidences, and we have a law enforcement incident response team that that works with the students mm-hmm. and. If they can make a case to convince Tim that they should be blocking this IP, then they can. If he says it's okay, otherwise, no. So, can they block everyone except Scorebot? No, no, they no. can't block. That's
1: n- cheating, you can't, right? Can't do any
5: ranges or n- Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, okay. yeah, but they
1: can. I think you said that uh, Tim mentioned that they can actually block based on port. So you can say it's not being selective, but you can shut it down to everybody. Gotcha.
4: Mm-hmm. Along those lines, something I've seen a lot um, at Northeast CCDC last weekend was students would get an inject to configure a service or device. They would put it online right away. We, the red team, would see it at the same time that they put it up. And we'd be like, oh, what's this? Oh, let's try the default stuff. And because it was online while they were changing the passwords, we'd get in and do whatever we wanted. So if you get an inject to set up a service, configure a device, Block that off, take it offline, do what you got to do, change everything, and then let it be exposed. But don't put it online before it's ready because we will probably get it much faster
1: than you can actually try to patch it. or remove
4: yep. it Oh, yeah, time. because that's one thing we're very focused on is automation.
2: Speaking of patching, so do the teams, when they like patch their Windows and Linux systems, they don't have access to the Internet? So they're still getting well, patches from an internet-connected system.
1: They have internet are systems. Them. They have to go to if they want to pull those things down, and uh, then they have to transfer things over manually. So they can get that stuff. they do not. Yeah, they have the to sneaker net it.
5: They have the, each team has a dedicated internet-connected system that's not part of the competition network. The competition networks are air-gapped, so um, you know it's not as simple as running apt-get or Windows Update. I mean, you got right. you got to sneaker net the patches from the internet-connected systems to the competition network. That's hard. It's very hard, especially any of your kind of red hat based um, distros where you get in these crazy dependency loops and uh, it's a nightmare. And I think that's also why Rob Fuller was talking today about actually turning on kernel level
1: security, trying to lock those things down there rather than trying to get into that dependency of uh, RPC hell. But you
2: know what though? I I think it's a great exercise if you're forced to defend the system without applying those patches. I think that... In real life, you may come into those situations where you can't patch a host, right? We've all talked about it on the show. There are times where you just can't patch the host. There are times when there's a vulnerability, but there's no patch available for it. And you have to defend the system. And I think if you can defend the system in that situation, you are in a much better position from your skill level-wise than, you know, just doing the easy thing of, like you said, app
1: get update or whatever. Totally, yeah. So. And also, you know, it's funny we have we have Rafael Mudge on here, and you're on the red team, right? Right. And he's sitting here giving advice for like the blue teams to try to be better. And I think a lot of that also has to do. I don't think the red team would be terribly excited if they just got in and started popping with the 08067 Nate API, like we've talked about on the show many times. The low hanging fruit stuff that you find in Metasploit all the time. If you pop all the systems, that's boring. You guys want to be pushed. You want to be pushed to try to come up with the O day in the application that no one. Sorry, zero chaos. But uh, trying to come up with a zero day in the application that no one is known about, because that's the exciting stuff. That's where it gets super cool. So, mm, I agree. Um, so,
2: what can the red team do to be more... So we talked about what the blue team can do to be more effective. What can the attackers do to be more effective?
4: Well, let's see here. So, I've been playing CCDC hey, since Casey, for coming up. Thanks, Casey. Oh. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... This is really fun for me. Uh, Four years ago, it was my first red team experience with CCDC at the Northeast region. And I've seen a lot change. And here's what it looked like back then. It was the smartest guy in the room with core impact or just whatever they had getting into everything. And everybody else was kind of like twiddling our thumbs. And we initially started out being really bad at working together. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then it evolved. We got better at working together. But we would develop access but not do anything with it. Uh, For example, we'd say, okay, cool, I got a shell. All right, I got points, right? We uh, did something to them. But there wasn't a focus on the post-exploitation and going after the data. And since I created Armitage because of CCDC, and I did it because I wanted to create a way to make it possible if Larry gets into something that anybody can take advantage of that access.
2: It was sharing shells.
4: Yeah, sharing shells. But not
2: post-exploitation.
4: And now post-exploitation, yeah, now we can take and use Armtage and see everything that's going on mm-hmm. at once. And somebody sets up Pivot, anybody else can use it. Mm-hmm. If uh, you get into a Windows host, any, we can actually multiple people at the same time using it. And it's really stable now. A year ago, it was um, still in development, if you will.
0: You were actually – so last year, you were actually doing development for that live at CCDC. Right? Yes. Yeah. I mean,
4: every night, I'd come home, and I'd be like, okay, i got to turn out a patch. <laughs> Everybody update. And uh, last weekend was northeast, and it wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but you're saying, how can we do better? So, it's like, okay, cool. For teams like uh, this one, we've got the sharing thing down, Mm -hmm. okay? So, we're going to come back. We're going to be really strong there. Now, the big thing we're focusing on is automation and splitting ourselves up better by roles. Mm -hmm. So, we have different teams like, uh, sorry, Rob, if I'm giving away too much. Thinking of you, um, we have different teams based we were, on. We were thinking sets. about
1: Rob earlier today too. Were you? Yeah. Okay. Larry left him something. Special. Oh, that's
4: really sad. Yeah. So.
1: Was it an upper decker
2: in
4: his toilet? <laughs> 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 No. <laughs> <laughs> I was in his room. Rob, that was not me. It was Larry.
1: <laughs> so, but who, who hasn't been? In oh. We, uh, oh, you mean who there were three of us on his bed checkers. just a few moments ago. Oh, so that's why I was late getting here. You were coding. Right? We were.
4: <laughs> we were sharing. 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 Yeah, we were code, practicing code. sharing our shells. Were you and,
0: practicing safe facts? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> we were all over it. So. What we've done is um, we're splitting up based on specialties mm-hmm. and, of course, using this teaming infrastructure to make sure, hey, the Windows team, what they do is going to be available to everybody else. My job, I'm the Shell Sherpa. I pass everything out. Mm-hmm. Shell Sherpa? Shell Sherpa. You should Sherpa. Get a T-shirt. So. Yeah, That's it's like mission control for here. Shells. It's like, need a Shell? I got Shell here. And make sure everybody's got our accesses. But one of the things I'm interested in, particularly this year, because, you know, it's like, okay, cool, we can share Shells. That was so last year. I'm very interested in how do I add bots to this construction? Um, Mm -hmm. How do we actually automate certain things on the fly that need to be automated and just what comes up as our needs Mm -hmm. and, you know, seeing what happens. So instead of having like the small team of 12 people, can I have bots take over a lot of low-hanging fruit stuff and let everybody else do what they're really good at? Basically, it sounds like
2: you want to create a botnet of the blue teams and, and have that once you get access, getting shell and maintaining access be automated.
1: Oh, absolutely. So like it's it isn't, it isn't just shell. Foc-
2: but then you're focused on post-exploitation. Yes. You just so post, don't want to
1: exploit. You want to
4: demoralize, it sounds like. I wouldn't say demoralize. <laughs> no.
2: Tim likes that. Yeah. The game
4: is this. We're going to get in, okay, in this event. What's going to separate the uh, teams Man. that have prepared the most? Men I mean, from the boys? What? Uh, I'm saying it politically correct. You know, the teams that did the most preparation are most ready from the teams that are, are going to improve mm-hmm. over time is going to be how well they dig us out. That is the game. Get in, persist as deeply as possible, as creatively as possible, not just meterpreter persistence, but, I mean, just coming up with wacky stuff. At DerbyCon, I released a toolkit I've been using the past two years, uh, a Dirty Red Team Tricks talk. A lot of students apparently watch that. That's good. It's going to be completely different this time. (laughs) You know, we're mixing it up. But, yeah, for us, the game is how long can we keep our access, how long can we stay in, before they've kicked us out, the so, stronger teams.
1: So if we were to say, start watching for miscellaneous run DLL32, uh, processes showing up, well, you know, that would be I'm a good. I'm not going an to that, answer to that, but I'm just here.
2: It would seem to me that the trick would be, you know, people say get in and stay in. Yes. But you need multiple methods to stay in. If you're using one method to, to hide, eventually they're going to find you. I mean, conceivably, if Agreed. you don't move around, eventually they're going to find you. Agreed. So it would seem to me that a great strategy would be to get in and then move around and change your strategy of how you're persisting access. So they find you in one spot. I've already moved to the other spot. Right. And you're staying one step ahead of the blue team members.
4: Paul, we have a secret weapon. As you talk about spots, we have the G spot. It's a <laughs> It doesn't exist. Uh, no, the problem with the G spot is we never that? Find it. Where is that on the map? I can never <laughs> find it. <laughs> My friend Jerry's been working very, very hard on uh, – a technology, if you will, to facilitate a learning experience for the students. Um, I've got something called...
1: <laughs> helps them find my wife, it. My wife just texted me. you're losing My wife here. just texted me. She said she's interested. Go <laughs> Absolutely. on. Absolutely.
4: <laughs> we will help her. No, but... I mean, for us, one of the fun things about this is we release what we've done, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not all about, ooh, we're secret hackers. You can't know what we're doing. And then it forces us to up our game. So this year, we're coming in with a lot of custom-coded stuff. Getting it on those boxes, you know, if everything goes right. And the job of my team is to maintain that access, do that moving around, and try to just stay dug in as long as possible. That's where we're going to live. And we've got some great learning experiences in store for the students. And the ones who do really well, that's what we want. I mean, that's, I want to be defeated. I want that challenge. Yeah. Because it means the next generation is just on top of their game. Well, and I think the blue team has been
1: so far behind for all these years. And it's no fault of the people. That It's just, if you look at where all the research and development goes in security, it's sexy to be on the red team. It's yes, really it cool. is.
4: I'm just saying that. And I'm
1: also going to say it's not hard. I mean, you, you look know, at exploitation. It, and, and, you know, a lot of people out there I know that, you know, are all about writing exploits. There's some people that are absolutely brilliant. You know, people like Atlas come to mind, of course. Uh, but... You know, exploiting systems is not difficult. Uh, getting into an environment now, staying and pivoting right. and getting to the resources, that's where it's hard. But I think it's cool that we're seeing a lot more of these young kids coming up, and they're looking to the blue side, and they're looking to try and innovate the next generation of defenses, and that's
4: awesome.
1: <clears throat> so what's your plan to grab the data from the systems? Is
2: there a specific strategy there? Is it? I
4: don't know if I have... I don't know if so I can it, confirm somebody, or deny that we're you going know, to grab data you know the, the blue team <laughs> We might just, just be tonight, eating cookies. The blue
1: team is up tonight. They're like, okay, so you know, we got to all right, like, work on our scripts to do all these different things that will not impact you at all. So, right. if anybody's listening, you should reward them. Oh, so I should? Oh. I would say, like those guys. You guys are competing tomorrow, right? Never
4: mind then. Keep going. Whatever. So let me. Th- the AV guys don't care. As far as data goes, let me throw this out there. We know, the blue teams probably know more about the systems and what they're facing than we do, okay? In theory, we don't have a team packet, for example. We don't know which services are supposed to be up or not. You want one? I want Yes. <laughs> Tim, scotch. I will give you more scotch, Tim. an arson sticker if you give me a team packet. <laughs> yes. So, tomorrow, what's going to happen? We'll get on. We'll dig in deep, okay? We'll fortify ourselves. And then we're going to have to kind of come up with that data acquisition strategy on the fly. What is really there? What are the flags? And we will have people devoted to that. That will be their role in life. In life, And like I said, if, if my team's doing their part of the job, we'll make sure that they've always got access so they can continue to do that data searching operation, continue to pull flags all weekend long as we start to understand this game that some very, very mean people put together. I don't say mean I mean, creative, it's like Ender's Game. I think we can play it back. (laughs) We got
1: Colonel Graff over there. Yeah, (laughs) Colonel Graff. Oh, God, I actually quoted one of the characters. Oh, jeez. I love Ender's Game. (laughs) It's a great book, but that's very geeky. I didn't even think I'd pull that one out, so
2: (laughs) it's all right. So Tim's always trying to uh, stack the deck, I think, in the red team's favor. Thank you, Tim. Yeah.
3: I wouldn't
4: be able to do anything without you. I'll let you know that. (laughs)
2: So, But you still have your work cut out for you.
4: Absolutely. because
2: gaining access. At, and I tried, I've i been trying to explain to people this, a couple of different things because I think that the defenders and even just, internal uh, people who uh, are doing assessments kind of have this wrong notion about what it, is, it means to exploit something to get a shell. Like there's like three stages, as I explained. There's you're identifying the vulnerabilities right? in one stage. Then there's getting a shell, and that can be useful for showing people, hey, it's possible. Right. But then there's the full-blown penetration test, which is everything else that you can do yeah, it's making once a, those first two steps occur.
4: Yeah, it's making a business case off the axis. You don't want yeah. the management to be like, great, you got a shell, but that system's not anything useful. And then you say, well, actually it is. Look at all this data that walked in the door of your business that's on that box. Right. Oh, it's all about making an actual business case that, yeah, there is a risk here, and you need to put resources to addressing it. Mm-hmm. I always like to say that as pen testers, our job is we're salespeople. We sell risk. It's not just using our technical skills, but we walk out and say, here is the problem you've got. Here's why it's a problem. Here's why you need to address it. We're motivational people with cool skills.
2: Raphael, you seem like a really nice guy, but I really think you're going to make someone cry. I that's hope my not. prediction.
4: Just need <laughs> to help learn, you know. <laughs> well, crying up. can be
2: part of the learning
4: process. It can. You know, I you know, I was active duty Air Force, and you know, at boot camp, there's some people who are really mean to us, mm-hmm. but I think they really do it out of love. That's right. And that's yeah. that's how we feel
1: <laughs> They do it because it's their job. They're paid to do it. And so some of them that. love their job. It's like if you go to a prostitute, she doesn't love you,
4: man. She, she doesn't? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, you're shattering everything for me, John. My reality is gone. <laughs>
2: The internet is broken for me now. <laughs> oh. <sighs> okay. Any other questions?
6: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no more questions about it. We can
4: talk about hooking. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, process hooking. Okay. API calls. We're going to a dynamic link
1: library for NTDL. Never mind. So, yeah. Uh, so, we've got a few stories in here. Oh, we do have stories. Do you want to hear about them?
2: Let's go. Really that. quickly. Paul,
1: how about your stories?
2: For Rumors the are that Anonymous is going to turn DNS amplification into their next attack. Uh, each of these DSN requests is chosen so that it generates large responses, much larger than the queries themselves. I think they're barking the off the wrong tree, um,
1: well, and, and, attacking
2: DNS. And a couple, I, it's resilient
1: enough in so many different ways. And there's a number of people that are going to turn on them. Like, if you look at organized crime, they're not going to be too terribly excited if all of a sudden eat, like, DNS. Nobody wants out. the internet to be broken. No one. There is
2: one very clear-cut, specific, pointed thing and reason why the internet must stay up. Porn? Yes. There absolutely. Well, and the video horn. games.
1: <laughs> and video games. So here, I'll, I'll, I'll go that. Go. So a little right, bit but about the no, attack. No go. But you No. But you're not into porn or video games. <laughs> I love them mall, so I'm oh, kind of so out of this one. Calm. Thanks, John. The warrior mom, Thanks, John. Cheers. Cheers. Honey, I love you. Thanks. Empty bottle, cheers. <laughs> so, so another thing that's interesting about this particular attack, is I went through and started plugging through, they said it's a DNS amplification attack, but I wanted to figure out exactly uh, which one it was. And specifically, they're going to be doing... Uh, rumored to do the eDNS attack now eDNS is extensions for DNS and what eDNS is is normally with DNS you get a 512 byte response that's it with eDNS it allows it to be much larger some people say 4000 it's actually 4096 bytes so that's a much larger response for a very small 60 byte request so, how this works is they have to find a bunch of eDNS servers, and then they also have to support recursion. So, they would go to their DNS servers and they would say, Excuse me, do you happen to know where www.evil.com is? Comes back to your server, the eDNS server that you're spoofing, and you respond back with a much larger, like, DNS TXT record, and then you spoof a request from thousands of users to the target organization, and that's what brings it down. This attack is not new. It's been around it's for a 2004, time. and yeah. the guy that, what is his name? Uh, the guy that started Shadow, uh, Shadow Server, um, <clears throat> Ari or Artie, can't remember his name. He was one of the original people that came up with this attack. So this is nothing new at all, but I think what they're talking about in the article is Anonymous is looking for new denial-of-service attack tools because Lyok is just not cutting it.
4: Mm. Ping dash F baby. Ping F. <laughs> uh,
2: FBI's DNS changer deadline extended from July to March. I'm not sure if we talked about this story already. Uh, but this is they have control of a large botnet of systems and um, they're working to clean them up. But you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to give the FBI access to all of these systems to remove this malware?
1: I what thought it was movie. they were
3: shutting off their internet access. Is that yeah, what it is? they're shutting off? Their their shut, yeah, you know, so they're, they're not so going in and cleaning it up. They just want to who? turn off their internet access.
1: Really? So they're basically yep. nuking these systems off. Now a lot of people That's say that this is like the end of the like internet apocalypse day. Like the internet's going down. Only. If, Right, it's just the systems that are compromised. Yeah, they, right? they, they've so. identified the systems compromised, and so they want to tell Verizon,
3: hey, Darren's got a infected machine, cut his cut his internet access gotcha. on this day, and then I can't get up to the internet. No, I'll how contact that? them why, and they'll be like, oh, it's because you're riddled with viruses. And now, how is that going to work? So it's really just
2: going to hit the ISP's help desk yes, more exactly. than yep.
3: anybody
1: else. Now, <laughs> how does that work if you're in like a, a university environment where there's lots of systems behind a single IP address? Do I have any idea on how they're going to handle those scenarios? Yeah, that's called Screwed. Screwed. That's yeah.
2: good. A, a lot of universities actually don't use NAT because of that. Just because well, reasons like that. The yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. A story on how Cebu was doxed by a former Anons and how Cebu doxed back. I don't even know what that means. Me neither. This is actually... Posted all
3: their personal about. information, where they live, phone numbers. Is that what that means? Yep, yep. Is uh, so that what you can like, call him and harass uh, them? Ask him if the refrigerator's running.
2: Gotcha. Huh. That's really boring. It sounds like IRC the
1: 90s like I, I was just going to say, it sounds like IRC in the mid-90s. That seems like something I did like in 2000 yeah, but I was in
0: yeah. college. Yeah, IRC wars of the mid-90s. So. Yeah, I'll tell
3: you. Well, it's, of course he docks back because he had the FBI
1: helping him. So.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> worked I, I'm, I'm one. looking at this and I'm going, yeah, I wonder who he docked
1: to. Does this sound like a Dr. Seuss book to you? It does. It's like it if does. you have to dox. I prefer to dox in socks.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, John, for
0: saving
2: that story. I actually prefer to dox in the toilet, but that's yeah. where, oh. where
0: you prefer to dox is a different story. In,
2: in, in, in yellow, element. in yellow socks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we we uh, Cambridge, UK student wins Hack Idol. Yeah, it's kind of like this scenario, Is right? that
0: like the world's sexiest hacker?
2: Uh, no, that's Shut Jonathan Fredel, <laughs> A 19-year-old computer science student has been named UK cybersecurity champion following months of competition.
4: Is that like a mathlete? <laughs> <It's> like, yes. <laughs> like like math said earlier,
1: and he wins a prize of getting a date. Um, <laughs> who doxes. Who doxes in socks. Yeah. You
4: can get dates by doxing.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Digi Ninja put out a poll on breaking into security. This comes out every year, doesn't it? I mean, there's been a whole bunch of... We've done a couple of blog posts on it. EL has done a couple of blog posts on it. And I think that what's interesting about this one is actually going through and talking about um, certifications as well. I like the certifications. Are they useful? Yes, they only get you through to HR. Um, I think that's... It's pretty much well established. It's pretty much
2: it, it exactly. And oh, then, I'm actually doing a presentation on this this weekend. How to get your start in information
1: security to the high schoolers? Yeah, to the high schoolers. I will be corrupting the youth of
2: America. I to the them back
1: candy. I'll be giving them candy. wind um, So that's cool. Um, do you have to be able to program to be a pen tester? Now this is weird. I want to get your opinion on this. Um, no, but it helps. Was fifty nine percent people said you don't have to know how to code to be a pen tester.
4: I would say in reality, a lot of pen testers don't know how to code. It's not. It doesn't seem to be a prerequisite skill set.
2: No, i it, right. start. With, here's my theory on that. I'd love to hear it. I think that penetration testers have this propensity for ADD. And being a programmer requires focus and writing one program for a really long <laughs> no, period of we, time. No, we have Python. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, like, for oh, myself, shiny. you may have tried programming and not <laughs> and not liked it. So you move on to being a penetration tester because you can do some little bit of coding and all this other really cool stuff. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people may have gone into pen testing not not really not liking programming, but it's like not their thing because it's a personality thing, not so much of a skill level thing.
4: I'll agree with that and add to it with this. I think every pen tester would benefit from knowing just a base amount of scripting to automate things just for bash, scale. Just simple bash. Just scripting. even simple bash. I like Python as a good option too. But the other thing too is any red team out there who's really serious about their craft – should have one really solid developer. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a developer providing support to just the crazier big things that the red team needs <laughs> that don't exist. Look, I this say-
2: cool thing, I need to write this program, but I'd have to sit down for four to eight hours and write this where I could go to my really smart person. He can probably <laughs> well, crank think? it out in a, an hour or two because that's his thing, and I think that's that's great. But, but you even- do you do need some, I will say – it's wrong in a sense of you do need some programming skills as a pen test. I think like you at least need, to know need to be able to script you read code. You need, some, yeah. you need like to be able to read basket. and write code at some, level, at I, some I would, level. I would
0: argue that reading and writing code is two different things. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, can, I, can, I can read and understand I can read some pretty heinous stuff. stuff that yeah. I could never write. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I may not understand exactly what it's doing, but I have a pretty damn good idea. Could you need to be able numb? to
2: read code well enough to know how to break it. Yes. Yeah. Or, or
0: fix
1: it if there's a problem. And so, like, one of the big things, like, I, I really don't like Ruby. And I'm not saying that's rip on HD and the people that actually work on the Metasploit project. I, I think Ruby's fairly hideous. But it's absolutely essential that I know it because if something does not work, if it starts spewing errors to my screen, I've got to know how to go in through and try and fix up that module. I mean, that's that's something that happens all the time. As I'm sure you're getting very, very good at dealing with Ruby.
4: I'm getting very good at doing a binary search on SVN uh, yeah. changes yeah, or yeah. Git changes now.
1: Yeah. To figure Just, out where
4: something broke. Yeah, this worked yesterday. It's yes. only in
1: these 12 lines that was... changed. Exactly. Yeah.
4: Now, I've been doing more and more digging because I... They're so busy, and I feel if I find something that's broken, I want to give them everything I can so they can fix it or try to fix it myself. Absolutely, yeah. Because they're busy, and it just seems the respectful thing to do. Yeah, because um, they're busy
1: writing RDP exploits.
4: Yes, John, you you had a. Please, uh, please, 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 Someone please, told please. me that
2: uh, there was a TSA full body scanner failure that this happened is, recently in your Bob, life. But yeah, Bob, yeah, Bob actually got a
1: hold of me. So I was in the airport coming out here, and Bob it called. It hurts at first, then it's okay. It <laughs> hurts. <something. laughs> I was shocked to hear from Bob because you guys are always talking about. We haven't me. heard from Bob in a really long time. He just called me out of the blue. I'm like, "How did you get my phone hmm. number?" He's like, "Well, you were not the male model in Denver, so I figured this was your number." <laughs> nice. Um, But we talked about this last week with the, uh, and you were talking about it too, where with the TSA being able to basically bypass the MillilWave scanner machines, um, all you need to do is whatever you're trying to get by is just have it on a part of your uh, body on a shirt or a pair of pants that's away from your body. So you can put on front. The, front. the sides or even like in the yeah, back on the of the leg. Of and that's what worked yeah. for Bob. He was wearing some very loose cargo pants, he said, and he put in uh, some fingernail clippers and some chapstick and got now, it about When that you said away. that Bob smuggled chapstick
2: through security, I had different visions of where the chapstick was. I know. Initially, <laughs> was <just> me.
4: initially <laughs> yeah. I made a joke about
1: smuggling grapes and he didn't find that humorous <laughs> at all. Wow. But he went through and it worked <laughs> just fine. Um, so he says he's going to try it on all of his flights with the different things to see what he can actually get away with. And... Really interesting story about this from Bruce Schneier. He went through and he was talking about it. It's really sad that the TSA's response to this is trying to actually shut this type of communication down. It's like, oh, you're harming security. By finding vulnerabilities, people may die because of it. And I think that they lose sight over what information security pen testers and security researchers are. We're trying to find the limitations of the structures that keep our lives going and electronic systems. That's really what we are doing. And if we do find a limitation, it's not the best to actually shut it down. And And their response, if you go to Bruce Schneier's blog post about it, is just classic because they don't really say anything about it. Um, They get very defensive and they say that we're busy detecting metallic and non-metallic items, such as, you know, things that go boom. But I think the point was, you can't detect those things with your current technology, so there's definitely limitations. So, yeah, so
0: their response was to, from my understanding, was attempt to gag some of the media outlets from talking about the story. Yeah,
4: they were, absolutely. They have a lot of practice about
1: gagging. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) right straight for the gag jokes all right but no i mean yeah trying to shut it down is just not going to make it go away that doesn't make it help but it's weird because if you go on youtube there's a bunch of videos where people are responding back to this guy's videos where he's talking about how to deal with it and there's people that are just very angry they're like you're not helping the situation do you want the terrorists to win no, I don't think any of us want that. No, we, see, so we, we want. We want the TSA
0: to get saved and know that this is a problem, so
1: that they maybe
2: they can
0: fix it. Maybe they can
1: fix it, but I think they're in a hole where they can't. Their technology has a fatal flaw. Well, fraud. that's why they're yeah. yeah. And they've spent. That's why everyone talks dollars.
2: about it. They use this
1: device that regurgitates
2: your speech back to you, so that no one they can, can shut it. you down. They Absolutely. can shut that you down. That was a weird one. Um, so it's, this story is awesome. Psychologists have known for some years that it's almost impossible to speak when your words are replayed to you with a delay of a fraction of a second. Now, that's not a note to the audio people up no, top no, to hey, do that people. to us. Um, I wonder if they could do yeah,
0: cause, that. No, because we've, we've had that <laughs> Don't happen. Don't say where, we, that. Where, we, where we've had an echo in the stream. Yeah. Or something of the like. Yeah, it's going back echo. in your headphones with yeah. a slight delay. And we
2: oh, start okay. slowly. You uh, no. sound even more retarded. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Potato! Potato. <laughs> hey, that's Darren's line. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, that exists, and we expect that people who listen to us will use it on us very soon.
0: And and that's that's really interesting, too, that that happens, um, because I know um, there's some folks that actually use this, and it's a treatment to uh, uh, help certain speech impediments.
6: Yeah,
1: they got it on the side of their head, where it repeats it
2: back into their ear.
1: Yep. Hmm. Interesting.
2: So it can be helpful for some, not so helpful for others. Right. Gotcha. It's for the really
1: good people, not for us, but... John, you want to round us out? Yeah, with the uh, Robin Wood breaking down leaked passwords. Yeah, sure. PHP BB. Um So another site went down, and they dumped the passwords. And the thing that's really sad about this is it's nothing new. Um, it's absolutely nothing new from what we've you seen. Can tell me that passwords. the top password was uh, for a PHPBB was php was
2: PHPBB.
1: Um, that was basically. And the words. top 10 However,
2: passwords were one, two, three, four, five, six.
1: Yeah, but there's only one. If you look at those numbers statistically, a, a lot of those passwords were only used once. So I, we gotta look back at those numbers. But PHP BB was used 332 as a, times. As a base word. As a base word. Password 89 times. Dragon 76 pass. And with the base words, what they're talking about is you can take passwords and you can mangle them. Mm-hmm. So there's tools like John the Ripper that have the capability of taking password and they can do leet speak substitutions on the fly to try and tell you like it's not an S. It's a dollar sign. It's not an A, it's an at symbol. If you think you're being crafty by using lead speak substitutions, it's not. No, it's just better off with a 15-character password. It's better with a 15-character password. Absolutely. Every single time. Um, so yeah, absolutely nothing new here. It's the same passwords that we've seen many, many, many times, and we're gonna continue to see them going forward. That's what we got. Very
2: good. Well, we're looking forward to a fun filled weekend. <laughs> With uh, medical dispensaries, John and I basically making stuff up as we go the entire weekend. Entire and weekend. And Raphael... So kind of um, like the
1: medical dispensaries. No, this, yeah. is streamed, this is streamed live, isn't it? So people can yes. go to Mid-Atlantic State CCDC. Uh, people can go to
2: paul.com.com forward slash live, watch the entire event live, and um, we will also be recording it and releasing
1: snippets and segments. Yeah. And we're going to be doing demos, too, at the yes. same time. So like we'll see awesome. what you guys are doing. We'll try to replicate it and show people what, what happened, kind of do the... Uh, John Madden play-by-play. Play. Nice. So Rafael came right here, straight up the middle. Yeah, straight up the middle. got circles and X's. Set up a pivot. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's great. You're do I doc, know some great, great visualization software for <laughs> yes, <your> hacking. Yes.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and thanks to our live audience. Big round of applause. We'll see you on the next episode.